Hello and welcome to Research Roundup, brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley, and each month, Sophie Schema and I will be looking at what's new in the world of cancer in primary care research. Today we'd like to introduce Joel Ree, who is Associate Professor of General Practice at the University of Wollongong. Joel is also PC4's COSA representative and chair of the RACGP's Special Interest Group for Cancer and Palliative Care. Joel recently published an article in the BMJ, General Practitioners and End-of-Life Care, a qualitative study of Australian GPs and specialist palliative care clinicians. The article can be found in our show notes on pc4tg.com.au forward slash podcasts. Welcome, Joel. Yeah, hi, Christy. How are you? Very good, thank you. Joel, this work has sprung from your 2013 PC4 Training Award and focuses on what role GPs can or could play in end-of-life care. What are we really talking about when people are discussing end-of-life care or advanced care planning? It's basically talking about the care that happens in the last few weeks, last few months, uh, last few years of someone's life. And it is a challenge because obviously not many of us have a good understanding of exactly how long we're going to live. So for many people with um, certain diseases, that could be, you could have a bit more certainty around your prognosis. But for many others, it's unclear when that last few weeks or months or years could be. Often it's sometimes not easy to pick the right, you know, the, the perfect time to have a discussion about these things. But what we know is that having these discussions with patients between healthcare professionals, patients and their caregivers and their relatives really help improve the care that's provided to to patients. It's obviously a good idea in that case to try to have these conversations as early as possible. Yeah, so it's not necessarily about what's going to happen in the last few moments of someone's life, but it's around goals, uh, what are the priorities for the patient you know, what, what's important to them. And sometimes you think about things like, where do I want to, you know, spend the rest of my life? Like, is it going to be home or is it going to be the nursing home? Is it going to be the hospital? Who do I want to spend, you know, last few months of my life with? Those sometimes become important questions as well. What kind of treatments do I want to receive from healthcare providers? It's, it's a whole range of issues that one, one needs to think about. Okay. Yeah. So, Joel, you interviewed GPs in New South Wales and Queensland, and I believe one of the GPs was from a rural area. With this in mind, do you think that location or rurality plays a role in shaping GPs' perspectives in end-of-life care? Yeah, it definitely, I think, rurality is a very important aspect. When we think about, you know, GP involvement in end-of-life care and, and planning, often I think patients living in rural areas form a a close relationship with their GPs. Often the GPs are providing the sort of care that might be provided by various specialists in in, in a metropolitan region. And as a result, that probably includes inpatient care as well, which often doesn't happen in in metropolitan areas. So, uh, So GPs working in rural areas, they've got particular particularly important role not only because they look after patients in in the community and, and their everyday care but also because they often are involved in inpatient care and they often work in emergency department as well basically you do end up seeing patients in in almost every setting including acute care setting and and much more chronic disease management as well which is not necessarily the case for for GPs working in metropolitan areas so i think GPs in rural areas definitely do need to get involved. So it's a pity that 
the study didn't involve more GPs from rural areas, and it would have been really good to get their perspective on things. But I suspect that if we did get more GPs from rural areas, they would have been you know, supportive of GPs' role in palliative care and end-of-life care planning because they are the in many cases, they're pretty much the only people who, who need to, you know, who, who are providing that level of care, definitely from a medical perspective. There aren't many palliative care physicians who would work in a rural area. So, you know, it's something that's really important for rural populations. And I guess future studies can address that. But so GPs from rural areas often working in palliative care, and there aren't many palliative care physicians or specialist services that are available for rural patients mostly it's up to the GPs to provide that level of care. So I think mm. even if we had more rural GPs involved in our study, most of them would have probably agreed with the main conclusions of the study. Yeah. So what did you feel was the biggest difference between the perceptions of GPs compared with the specialist care clinicians? Yeah, so I think the specialist care physicians were very supportive of the role of GPs in palliative care. And, and I think they were probably even more supportive than most of the GPs themselves, um, which, which was really interesting. Yeah. And they saw GPs as providing the everyday sort of care to patients and, and managing patients on, a, on an everyday uh, sort of basis. They saw their involvement mainly as an advisory type service where there were issues, they were happy to be consulted. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some exceptions to that rule for really complicated patients or people whose symptoms aren't being met, people who needed inpatient management, that kind of things. The palliative care clinicians were keen on getting much more directly involved. For the majority of patients, the specialist palliative care clinicians thought that GPs were the primary medical care providers, basically. Mm -hmm. So they were very supportive. I think the GPs in our study were also supportive of of their role in in palliative care. But there were some GPs, for instance, who who weren't necessarily providing a lot of palliative care in our sample. Mm -hmm. And and they saw a lot of challenges, I think, in their involvement in palliative care. It was a lot more positive picture being painted by the specialist palliative care clinicians. GPs were positive also, but I think a lot of them were quite cautious as well about their role in palliative care. Yeah. So based on that, what do you think were the most meaningful barriers and facilitators that emerged from your analysis? What really struck me was the fact that GP involvement in a lot of this palliative care was driven by their loyalty to their patients. Basically, they knew their patients for a long time. They didn't want to abandon the patients when the patients um, entered a different phase of their life. They felt duty-bound to continue seeing them, doing home visits, and providing palliative care to their patients. Whereas patients who are brand new to, to the GP, sometimes, I mean, some GPs were happy to see them as palliative care patients, but if, if a brand new patient and basically wanted a GP to provide palliative care to them, do home visits and so forth, then that was a different, it was treated differently to someone who was a well-known, long-standing patient of that GP. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of barriers that were identified in the study to GPs getting involved in palliative care around remuneration, around the structure of the practice that basically punished GPs doing home visits and providing palliative care to patients Mm. over other GPs who are mainly seeing patients in their clinic with acute health problems. It is an important issue, I think, that was identified in that 
you're basically relying on the goodwill and the loyalty that GPs have. Yeah. And it's an issue where the healthcare system basically punishes GPs who are trying to do what's good for the patients. It's reliant on the GP's goodwill and their loyalty to their patients, you know, for them to continue providing palliative care. I think that that is a that is a big issue. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, the healthcare system needs to be at least supportive of health professionals trying to do the good thing and trying trying to provide good care, rather than sort of putting up a barrier. So, so that's something that that came up really strongly, I think, in mm. in, in the research. And then I suppose leading on from that, so apart from the system, what are other ways that we can try to better enable GPs to engage and feel confident in providing end-of-life care? I think GPs could benefit by additional getting access to more education yeah. and training resources for palliative care. And I think that's really important. The The other thing I think is trying to leverage, I guess, an important enabler to GP involvement in palliative care, which is their sense of loyalty to their long-standing patients. And yeah. I think basically by creating practices or enabling GPs to form this long-standing relationship, I think, you know, over the long term, it could actually encourage more GPs to get involved in palliative care. So there have been recent initiatives such as healthcare homes that try to improve the care of chronic illnesses in patients in the community. But one of the things it also tries to do is to improve continuity of care. So you know, whether that's informational continuity of care or interpersonal continuity of care, you know, there are various different types of continuity of care, but the healthcare homes is designed to improve that. And I think one of the good side effects of that is that hopefully improved continuity of care can encourage GPs to form a long-standing relationship with their patients. And therefore that could result in more GPs getting involved in palliative care. Great. Thanks so much for sharing, you know, your time and your insights with us today, Joel. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at PC4TG. Don't forget to visit PC4's website, pc4tg.com.au.